Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Welcome everyone to the Tej Talks podcast. Now, you know, we're in an interesting place in the world, uh, especially in the UK, which most of my listeners are from, you know, in terms of the economy, in terms of property prices, property availability, supply, demand, um, you know, the volatility that crypto has shown the the market commentary you know people always talk about stocks and shares on these boring you know sky tv channels but now everyone is talking about crypto and us as property investors which you know most of you are or are going to be we are investors in a sense and you know we want to understand different avenues towards wealth creation and simply put it just making money now i have a guest on my show who i believe had i can't i think it was the second or third most listened to podcast on TED Talks ever. So, you know, pretty big and you all clearly really, really liked what he had to say. And it actually wasn't that long ago either. So it's definitely a big accolade. He um, he got his medal in the post and he was really happy. So, uh, Dee, welcome to the TED Talks podcast. It's a pleasure to be here as always, Nick. So for people who may not remember you from that episode or are new to you, give us a brief introduction into who you are and what you do. So uh, my name's Dee. Um, I just sort of class myself as an investor rather than picking one sort of asset. Um, I just like to look, analyze the market and just put my money to work best for me, really. Um, I try not to get too emotionally attached to one asset. And yeah, just sort of in the wealth creation game, that's I would like to say. And I also host uh, the 5am club as well which is a online community where uh, we have new guest speakers each week to talk about yeah different things really mm, i love it and yeah i've spoken to your 5am club a few times now you keep waking me up for some reason <laughs> um, and it's definitely a great community and people are very switched on even at that time in the morning people are very switched on a lot more engaged than i've had in person at events at 6 p.m. So, like, you know, big up to that because it's, um, it's definitely a big um, and engaging place to be. So, you know, you are, you know, you speak about crypto heavily. Um, you know, you and I have spoken about it offline um, a fair kind of amount. I did your crypto challenge, which was awesome. Um, and, you know, if you're doing anything like that, again, we can mention it at the end. So I suppose the kind of aim of this podcast is to compare and contrast property and crypto but really i want to focus on crypto you know because everyone listening to this kind of knows the property stuff you know blah blah blah. i just want to use it to highlight the differences but also then to talk about the market at the moment because you know i think every week it, it can change in some shape or form and everyone's got something to say about it so it'd be good for us to kind of look at it yeah and maybe commentate on it a little bit so i suppose to start off um what got you because you have a property portfolio you do a few other bits in business and whatnot what made you look at crypto and what made you sort of what made okay what made you look at it and then then and now what makes you believe in it so much so i obviously back in the 2017 um sort of uh volatility of crypto um i was sort of didn't really understand Bitcoin and all the other stuff. It was more, I was leaning more towards XRP because I thought it actually has 
some use behind it, um, which I have a total opposite opinion now. Um, so I literally, to me, it was hard to really look at what sort of value that whole space had. Whereas when, like, as we spoke on the last podcast, I like looking at stuff, sort of the, the macro side of stuff, which, you know, which I believe affects the markets, um, especially long-term. So when COVID sort of first happened, it was like when macro and crypto crossed and I started to think I need to really, I was already researching it, but I really dived in then. I was like, probably January last year, I thought this is, it's a massive change going on here, like a big paradigm shift. So get going down sort of the rabbit hole of not just Bitcoin and crypto, but just blockchain. And I started to realize sort of the opportunity and where the world's going. And obviously tech is, is, is the main cause of most things is like eating up every industry and has been for a long time. So then this to me was like this new form of tech, which isn't actually that new, but now becoming more mainstream. I thought this is definitely going to be, have a big impact in everything, especially the financial system, like predominantly. So I shifted a lot of my time and effort into researching this, because if you go back years ago, when you started to ask people, do you wish you, you know, research the internet a lot more back years ago? Do you wish you researched this a lot more and different things? I just didn't want to be one of those people that um, stick like tunnel vision into one thing and then wish I invested earlier on. So I thought I don't want to jump on sort of the, um, the, the, the gambles that everybody's doing like the safe moons and different things like that. I thought, let me see what, you know, which things I feel will come into fruition and actually be used in the real world and which ones uh, uh, institutional investors more likely to adopt in the mainstream. And that's sort of what I focused on and looked at, um, what companies do what, who is behind the companies, and then just looked at, tried to understand the sort of the technology behind it. You know, I'm, I'm not a computer scientist. I'm not really a gamer. So a lot of the stuff that people talk about is hard to understand. But I thought I need to understand the technology to a certain point to really understand where this is going. And I just seen huge opportunity in the space and bigger opportunity than anywhere else. And, you know, facts are facts at the end of the day. So I know a lot of people like to look at different assets and be like, but this has history. This has this fact of the matter is if you just, just talked about just Bitcoin, it's the best performing asset over the last 10 years. So for me, I'd rather follow the facts, the figures, the indicators, and really just all the metrics rather than opinions. That's sort of the way I look at it. Mm, That makes sense. And I think, you know, in a world where everyone has an opinion, it's important to, back it up with metrics right because you know they say stats don't lie but we know they can all be manipulated as well um but you know it's a lot more believable than someone just saying something so you know where are we in so correct me if i'm wrong but a week week or so ago um cryptos had a fairly large well at least the media says fairly large dip um versus you know bitcoin was at an all-time high i can't remember a couple of weeks before that where are we at, if you had to kind of summarize, you know, as deep as or as broad as you want, where are we at right now in um, the crypto sphere and the crypto world? Well, this is where I think is a bit of a wake up call to anyone investing in crypto. So what's happened over the last few weeks, I think 
yeah, people start to get quite naive and thinking, you know, I don't need to really learn about this and what it does. I'm just going to invest my money. It's going up every single day. So I'm just going to keep doing it. They forget to take profits. They forget any sort of plan that you would have as an investor. And it just becomes a bit of a casino. And then when it's dipped like it has, people start to think, oh, I should have took some money off the table. I wish it was where it was. Am I in the right stuff? Should I have bought this like project that I'm in now? And it starts to really give people a wake-up call. So uh, realistically, Bitcoin was due a correction. Um, if you look at, we can only go back like a couple of data sets to really see where we're at because of the the length of time Bitcoin's been in existence. But this tends to happen in every cycle. So technically, it's like, some is normal, but it shakes up the market because a lot of retail investors that don't really understand crypto or haven't done any research, they think it's the end of the world. And then you start seeing the media start saying, is Bitcoin dead? Now, if you if you look at how many times they've said Bitcoin's dead, um, yeah, it's, 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 like a, it's like a cat that has nine lives. So it's, uh, um, but then that's when I think people should be forced into really look, looking at what it is. Now, the, I think the biggest sort of um, bat- battle of opinions is the price. Now, we are in price discovery. We will be for a long time because, you know, it's, it's, it's still a new-ish asset. It has withstood the test of time, but it's still a new asset. We don't have the, the entire supply in existence. So, of course, it's going to be in price discovery. But what we need to remember is this is with every asset class and bubbles. So the marginal buyer sets the price. So basically, if a stock goes from 100 million market cap to, say, 200 million market cap, you would just, you know, assume 100 million has flowed into the stock. And, but that's not how it works. So the marginal trade always sets the price. So this is why we have bubbles. So confidence and manipulation can create the bubble. So the marginal buyer is that person that pays the huge premium sort of over the consensus price. But then they can actually determine the value of the market to a certain extent. So when we see market manipulation happening, and I do believe what's happened recently, we can look at Elon's tweets, we can look at China um, and the issues they're having with the mining, and we can say, yeah, this drove the price down 30 grand. But I find that hard to believe. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I've got to keep an open mind. But I do believe, if you look at, there's a, uh, a theory called the Wyckoff theory, and, and it's played out pretty perfectly for me to think it's anything but, the Wyckoff theory. And if you look at the, the chart, you'll see that it's very similar. And it could be the institution saying, look, we're here now and this is sort of our game now. And for people, and I know a lot of like crypto maxis, which is hard. Like this happens in every asset, right? You get people that are like real estate maxi, crypto maxi, stock maxi. And a lot of the, the crypto maxis that think crypto is the only thing that you should own, they're like, institutions can't manipulate this market it's decentralized it's this it's this when let's be fair i said it a few times the fx markets trade four or five trillion dollars a day and they get manipulated every single day for someone to think that institutions can't manipulate crypto you're very naive so i think this is where you need to keep an open mind as an investor and don't, try not to get too sucked into one asset and be so emotionally attached that you miss everything because all you're looking for is confirmation bias to why this is, this is the thing that's going to be, you know, the next big thing. And like, I think the opportunity in crypto is massive. I think that you should be approaching it with caution and, um, 
really try and get educated on it. And look, like you just said, everyone has an opinion online. You can follow YouTubers and they could be leading you down the garden path to something you don't want to see. You could be following people on Instagram, like even myself. I do a lot of research on this, but it doesn't mean I'm right. It's an opinion. So I think that definitely look at who you're following and, and, and what you're watching because there's, you, whatever you look for online, you, you can find the answer to and uh, confirm with your opinion. Mm, yeah. And, you know, alongside these kind of, I suppose, expected or theorized movements that you're kind of seeing play out or just the, you know, the normal movements of any asset. Um, and of course, you know, this is a new asset compared to, you know, things that have been around since, you know, the days we had horse-drawn carriages. Um, so, you know, the reason that Bitcoin and, and all cryptocurrencies generally have kind of had a big surge in one, popularity, and two, you know, actual value, you know, do you think, like with, you know, house prices arguably, do you think it's related to things like lockdown, furlough money, sort of national, globally, I suppose, um, bounce-back loans and whatever else other countries are offering. Like, do you think that kind of corona and all this stimulus in the in the economy and money given to us and sitting at home, do you think that's kind of boosted crypto, what maybe would have taken it longer if we didn't have COVID? Well, it's, it's, it's a good question because if you talk to someone that's followed previous cycles, they would say, no, this is going to happen anyway. But we do have to take into account everything. Everything's been pushed up and inflated at the moment. So I do think that it has some sort of coloration with it. It's, it's, I think it'd be silly to think not. Like when you've seen some secondhand cars going for more than they, people bought them for. Like at the moment, it's people, especially like in the States, for instance, which we're basically, yeah, you can just mirror us to the States, usually happens there first. But you, when you're seeing those secondhand cars go for a premium, People are just putting their money in anything that isn't dollars or pounds because the perch, they're losing purchasing power. So it doesn't really matter what you put your money in. You've got baseball cards, Pokemon cards, you, houses, stocks, meme stocks, meme coins. Everything you can think of is just being overinflated. So I do think that all of the stuff you've just mentioned does have an impact on the price and the price movement. But I also think that what's going on in the current financial system, I think that now you see that institutions, they've woke up to this and thought, you know, you're seeing companies moving huge massive chunks of their balance sheet into Bitcoin to save purchasing power. And you look at Tesla and they invest in Bitcoin. And before we had the pullback, they made more money in a couple of months owning Bitcoin than they ever have selling cars. So it starts to, it is crazy. But I think that when you're seeing like the banks changing their opinion on it, especially central banks um, and now more so retail banks and the big corporations, it does lead you to think that, okay, there's a reason why these have woken up. So even if you don't understand the macro side of it or the reason for Bitcoin, crypto and all the other stuff behind it, just looking at where the smart money is going. Like, I think, I'm not sure if we mentioned it last time or it was on a, a crypto challenge, but like BlackRock, for instance, like biggest asset management firm in the world, they're not, buying Bitcoin as a trade. They, 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 you know, they, they, people like that don't think, we're going to buy Bitcoin this month and then sell it next month. They, they, those companies don't do that. These companies that are buying it, like especially BlackRock, Fidelity, Grayscale, all of these companies are buying it to hold. MicroStrategy, buying it to hold. You know, Elon tweeted that Bitcoin now stopped accepting payments of 
Bitcoin for Teslas, which would anyone who would swap their Bitcoin for Teslas crazy. But even so, he also tweeted straight after, but we're not selling any of our Bitcoin. So when you see the smart money moving into that space, definitely still be skeptical because they, they, those sort of people have the money to move markets. But that's when people should be like, well, let me do some research on this because I, I, this is what I, I, people definitely lack. I see people that have a lot of their life savings or a lot of their savings now in crypto and some of the stuff they're in, the people tell me, I'm like, wow, where, where did the confidence come from to invest in like a meme coin? But they're happy to do it because the media and social media is pumping these different projects. But if you ask them to invest in like an actual stock or a company, they'd be like, ah, oh, nah, I don't feel comfortable doing it. It's so it's that I think that the whole sentiment around the market is, I think is mind blowing. But I do agree with what you said. I think that everything going on, especially with a lot of the QE, is that the money's flowing into every asset at the moment. People don't want to be holding cash at negative rates and or, or zero rates. Like, why, why would you want to? Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And I think the media is driving a lot of stuff. And maybe, like you said, there are people who are uneducated on wealth and finance in general. Yeah, would invest in Dogecoin. I'm sure you were doing a little at there (laughs) without naming it. Um, But, you know, then again... you make my. I suppose this is the kind of thing, right? Like from from a property investment perspective, you know, we look at houses and we say, "Is there?" For I know stocks and shares aren't there, but you look at a house and say, "Is there?" I can feel it. I have purchased a bunch of bricks, a bunch of mortar, a roof, some other shit. I like this. Um, it's kind of risk averse, I suppose, compared to any type of non um, physical investment. But then, at the same time, if I invest in Nike's shares, well, I'll just go next door and look at a pair of Nikes and say. Okay, I've, I don't own a shoe, but it feels tangible. If I, if I invest in Tesla and I see a Tesla on the street, I'm like, okay, I've invested in something physical. And I think that physicality kind of maybe as humans just holds us back, um, f- especially if we're in a business like property, which is so physical. You know, there's barely anything you buy in property that isn't physical because, you know, that's what it is. Um, and so I think people look at crypto and say, well, they say lots of things, but I think coming from property, they say, you know, and maybe one of the first things to compare is they say, look at the stability or volatility. You know, um, I bought a house 10 years ago for 200 grand. Now it's worth 400 grand. You know, I've, you know, basically paid the mortgage down and I can see it. You know, it's still standing. It's still great. And the price has only really gone up. Now, I mean, arguably, you could say you bought Bitcoin 10 years ago. You've, you're kind of quids in. <laughs> but you know, that kind of point about volatility and, volatility and stability, um, you know, compared to the sort of, I'd say, pretty easy, pretty straightforward upward trajectory that property tends to have. Um, yeah, like how does crypto compare and what should people be prepared for? Well, if we look at all we can go off is history. So like you mentioned, if you bought Bitcoin 10 years ago, then it would have performed better than property. But then, like you said, I think that we're moving now into a, because of tech, we're moving into a space where it doesn't matter if something's tangible or not. And with people now, especially network effect in full force with Bitcoin, you know, there's, that's all this is, like, is, is, is the network effect. Like when people, when people traded their gold in for paper money, it was because they had confidence and they trusted in, um, the paper money to be worth the same as their gold. And then 
the same goes now for when it was you had credit cards and your money was like digital. Um, you just trust that the bank still has your money there. Now, even with knowing the fractional reserve banking system, your money isn't there. People still will trust it because that's all we can because that's society. So it is very volatile. And, you know, like if you look at um, late 2017, in the last cycle, the price was just over $20,000 and it dropped to less than $4,000. So it is very volatile. Um, people like to say it has no sort of real value behind it. Um, and it's sort of Bitcoin sort of uh, derives its value from the users who believe in it. Um, but again, that's the same as regular money. That's the same as property. That's the same as everything. So it's, it's just a, it's that trust in something having value. That's literally all it is. Um, and people say, you know, the, um, the lack of security because no sort of centralized authority controls cryptocurrencies. But that's sort of the whole point, to be fair. And then they'll say the government impact on it. But it's because it's a very new asset. Now, if you look back at the history of, say, property, and less the, the, so the mortgage and I think it was like the 80s had become like a massive massive deal right and property prices before that you know didn't do anything like they do today and since the 80s they've been in I wouldn't say exponential um, growth but they've been growing very nicely since the 80s since the that sort of financial product come to market and allow people to really get involved and you know like we've talked about on the last podcast um, you know if there was no credit, then it'd be very hard for this to continue to to grow. Now, I don't think we can take the last 18 months into um, any real growth, even though we've seen it crazy and a lot of pent up demand in all assets. We have to look at a normal economy in a normal year, but the last year has just been silly to like, to really like go off. So, um, but yeah, real estate, you can look at there's, definitely is less volatile you can say it's more of a sure bet long term um but then it depends what your personal risk appetite is what what you're looking to gain out of it if you're trying to gain um assets that cash flow then yeah pick property um you obviously there's ways with like staking and yield farming that you can earn great money um and definitely higher rates as well than than property but it all depends what you want to own and who you are as an individual but like i always say like look you can look at the 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 richest people in the world right some of them don't own gold some of them don't own any property some of them don't own stocks some of them just have business and they don't own any assets but they're still rich so if, if you're looking to just become rich and wealthy as that's what most people are trying to do um, you don't have to own bitcoin you don't, it's like it's not essential that you have to own it and i think this is where a lot of the maxis in different assets think you have to own property you have to own gold otherwise you're not you're not really creating wealth when that's not entirely true like you know people do it in different ways and but yeah definitely be um if you're very risk adverse definitely need to take the volatility volatility into account um you know i see people especially in property comment on bitcoin because they don't really understand anything else usually um a lot and saying it's like tulip mania now, this 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 is something that I think it does crack me up a little bit because they're only looking at the cycle and where we're at today and what Bitcoin's done over the last year, but then they forget what property's done over the last year and it's a bit out of hand. Now, if you want to look at tulip mania, so if you look at it this way, if you can use tulips to 
transmit value across the world pretty instantly to anyone in any part of the world, regardless of whether they had um, a functioning government or banking system. If the government couldn't come to your door and take away your tulip, tulips or uh, control who you could sell them to or whatever way, or if you could hide your tulips in your brain and walk out of a nation holding all your money or wealth in your head without anyone being the wiser, then yeah, Bitcoin, I would say, is just exactly like the, the Dutch tulip bubble. <laughs> and they're sort of the words that uh, a man, something Pritzer um, said, which I thought was amazing because when people talk about tulip mania, especially in property at the moment, which look, I'm, people seem to think that I'm, I'm against property, which is, which is crazy to think that, which I, I own property and I'll still invest in it. It's like, it's like they're throwing stones. Same as like people who own gold stocks. Like if everyone wants to start an attack crypto and say, this is a bubble. It's like, well, let's have a look at what's going on in the stock market or the, the property market at the moment. It's, do you think that's not a bubble? It's, so everything seems like a bubble at the moment because of like we talked about earlier. So yeah, it's volatile, but I think that depending on your risk appetite is how you should approach any asset. Like there's always risks in property. There's more risks than people talk about in property, mm. but pe- people seem to forget them. Yeah, it's true. I think it's, I think the volatility and seeing, you know, it, it goes against the kind of central theme of property, which is right. You bought a house for hundred grand, the chances of it ever dipping below a hundred grand in value. Yes. There's, you know, the dips and the corrections and all that stuff, but generally it's kind of said that you know that's not going to happen it's it's always going to be above it or at the worst it's going to be at 100k you put 100k in crypto tomorrow it's worth 50 which drops you know soars like that can happen um i think it scares people and it would right you're like okay i've just wiped half my investment out in 24 hours (laughs) um and so if people don't understand the bigger picture and have a view on it and have data on it then they're thinking, oh, I invested in this because Daily Mail said I should. And now uh, I'm kind of 50k down. I'll, I'll exit when five days later it might kind of go back up. So, yeah, those are good points there. And the um, the tulip mania is such an interesting story. Back from 1630, you're taking us back, boy. Um, <laughs> like, it, it's fascinating because that then goes back to how, like, you know, before we had money, we used to trade with, like, shells. Or we used to have commerce with, I give you wheat, you give me silver. And you know, back in the day in terms of how things were traded, which is also a bit of a a kind of a full cycle because, yeah, we have money and these currencies that, you know, dollars, pounds, whatever. But then, you know, some of these can be, some of these cryptos can be used as another currency, just like tulips were, just like shells were, just like bones were, whatever. So, hmm. yeah, there's an interesting thing there. And then I suppose my next comparison is, you know, long-term Crypto is fairly new, especially compared to property, which has been here since, you know, forever in, in some senses. Um, what do you think the long term outlook for crypto is? Because with property, like I said, generally, it's slowly, slowly, slowly going up. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on the long term for crypto? I think they'll definitely slow down in growth at some point because it's very new. Um, but I think that it's going to be a very big part of the world's ecosystem, I think. Um, well, we've already seen it. Central banks are all working on a um, digital currency now and then pretty much every global, every economy in the world. Um, so I think it's going to be a much bigger part of our life 
than people think. And when I say this, that a lot of things tie into crypto and not blockchain where, you know, we talked on the crypto challenge about the metaverse NFTs and just pretty much everything, every sort of industry is going to be affected in a good way. I think could be a bad way as well in certain aspects by blockchain. And, you know, so I think that it's going to long-term, I think it's going to be, it is, it is the biggest opportunity, in my opinion, um, in the world at the moment because it's so new and everybody's pretty much endorsing the technology behind it. Um, and I think property is going to have a rude awakening in the sense of we haven't really seen how tech's really affected property yet. Tech's affected pretty much every industry, but property's still very old school and still very far behind where tech has really influenced and affected a lot of industries. So when you're looking at the technology behind property, stuff like 3D print construction, I would say modular builds, but I think 3D print construction is going to be a way bigger impact on property than modular. Um, But that's even sort of not even thinking about the tokenization of real estate as well, which is going to give people huge opportunity to get involved in property without actually going through the stuff that we have to go through when you buy refurb and all the different things there's a way that you can sort of be a bit of an armchair investor and still benefit from other people's hard work um so i think that property will definitely be affected in a massive way by tech not just blockchain which i think it will affect it that way but just tech as a whole i think that people are just i'm not sure if people are ready for how that's going to affect property Interesting. And then, you know, with crypto, you're saying you can see them being, you know, and they already are becoming a kind of central part. Do you think that, you know, the kind of, I suppose, the original vision and the current vision of, you know, as freedom fighters um, is that it is decentralized and it's not controlled by banks? You know, do you think that can actually ever happen, given how corrupt the world and banks and, you know, everything is? Do you think that vision, that dream, when they first started it, could ever be reality? It's hard to say at this point. I think that who knows who Satoshi is, right? (laughs) It's probably you, man, the way you talk about it. (laughs) Um, I'm not sure what would happen and how that would affect Bitcoin if the the Satoshi comes out and sits and, you know, but... I think that's sort of what people like, like you said, the sort of the freedom fighters over it. But even with banks may not be able to, and governments may not be able to be like, right, we're controlling this directly because we know the central entity to go to, but there's a lot of stuff they can do. I don't think, I I think at the moment it's like pretty much, it's a big statement, but sort of unstoppable as far as it has a pre-programmed schedule and where you know, every 210,000 blocks, the reward gets cut in half for the miners and stuff. So I think unless you sort of cut the electricity from the world or whatever, it's going to be hard to stop. You can pause this, pause it, but it's hard to stop it. But regulation and governments making things hard, some may make it really hard for people to, that they could even do what they did with gold and say, you know, we're banning this or it's illegal to own. But let's be fair, all I need to know is the, the, the sort of my private key and keep it in my mind and how does anyone know if I own it or not? So it's, it's, it's going to be hard. Like they could do the whole gold thing, but if the UK banned it tomorrow, then what happens if somewhere like Zimbabwe that 
or Venezuela struggling with their currency or even like Turkey says, well, yeah, we're, um, we're, we're, we're going to use it over here because we, we, we don't have any purchasing power anymore. So I do think that they'll, they're going to do whatever they can to take as much control as they can, but they've, they're already trying. And I think they're finding it hard. Like even like the taxation of it, I know there's a lot of talk around it. And in my mastermind, we talk heavily on how to structure it from a tax point of view, but they're going to find that very hard. Like how, how are you going to people that are converting one crypto to another? Yeah, we have on-chain metrics, but how, how are they, it's going to be very hard for them to track all of this and it's going to take a long time and they're probably waiting to develop AI even further to do it. But yeah, it's a, it's a hard one to give you a short answer. I think that they will do wherever they can with regulation to control it. Um, you know, uh, but it's going to be a hard one for them to really take control because you know, governments, there's going to be huge currency wars ahead of us on, <laughs> and, you know, like imagine I'm talking to you now, we're, we're on, they're in different countries and um, imagine, you know, I bought your property course, for instance, we took it through a payment gateway, which government are going to want to try and take the tax out of that? Are, they, are, we, are, you, are the UK going to just take the tax because you're in the UK and you've made the sale or what? It's just, there's going to be so much, I think, argue there's a lot of disagreements and arguments can be around the currency wars of different things and throwing crypto into the mix is just going to make it 10 times harder so yeah it's going to be an interesting um, couple of years ahead and you know if i want to go buy an rpg on the dark web i ain't using my bloody great british pounds am i i'm and just mi5 who are listening i know you love this show i'm not going to be doing that don't knock on my door um like i wouldn't use pounds or dollars i'd use bitcoin or ethereum or something like that so you know, there must be a huge element of crime that's probably been happening for a long time using cryptocurrencies. Are you concerned about the fact that, I mean, crime is always going to be there, you know, blah, blah, blah. Are you concerned that crime can increase and get even harder for us to protect and detect that we live in some like Judge dread type world where like the criminals are just, yeah, on mad ones? Well, if you looked at how much crime takes place in dollars... Or pounds. I thought you were going to say in the banks there. I was like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, well, well, yeah, banks as a whole. But um, if you look at, let's say, like the amount of cash that's used to like facilitate, facilitate wars, drug deals and murders and all the other stuff compared to crypto, I think that I would be leaning towards that the money that we use day to day is used way more in crimes than cryptocurrency. But I don't think... Bitcoin is going to be the problem there. It's going to be like the privacy coins, like Monero and stuff, I think, because they're the untraceable, actually real, like sort of untraceable currency. That's, if anything, governments will be targeting privacy coins. Like you've seen a few being delisted already from exchanges, but rather than Bitcoin, because Bitcoin, I think it's going to be brought, even though it is mainstream now, it's going to be, I think, brought to the forefront of the mainstream where it's going to be like, well, yeah, they've already sort of said, like, this is here to stay. We know it's here. And we're just going to live with it. Um, so I think that the privacy coins are what a lot of people are going to flood to. Like, for instance, you go to any local barbershop, right? And if, if, if central banks tax you directly on everything you make um, through your sort of your, um, what, what are they calling it? Brit pound or whatever they're calling it, Britcoin. Oh, yeah. Um, so for your sort of your e-wallet that you hold with a central bank, then what sort of the incentive to become like a, 
hairdresser, beautician, barber, like anything that, you know, those sort of industries, you know, it's, it's the HMRC, you know, people hold a bit back to, to, you know, to live. And that's sort of some of the benefits of being like a, like a plumber taking stuff on the side or a gardener. Now, imagine if your gardener comes to you and says, look, I, I'll do this, but I want to get paid in say Monero with privacy coin. I think that's sort of where the privacy coins are going to come in, but the crime aspect of it are going to be done more on privacy coins than Bitcoin, because eventually they're going to be able to trace this back to people because it's, everything is transparent on the blockchain. So you can, if you can start tracing addresses back to people, if that happens, then yeah, it's going to be harder to do in stuff like Bitcoin. But with privacy coins, at some point you have to turn it. Well, I suppose that's where in the current world, from you know to go Tesco's, you have to convert it into pounds from privacy coins. So there's a there's a point of trace there, perhaps. But in the future, you can just turn it into some other crypto, and it just kind of becomes a lot more untraceable, even when you convert it to spend it. Yeah. So. Mm. Yeah, I think yeah. There's more definitely more crime in dollars than than yeah, Bitcoin. I, mean, I would say. Yeah, dollars, <laughs> dollars in particular. I mean, yeah. Look at the entire government. Um. So let's talk about cash flow. So you know, property. People are in it for cash flow as well as capital appreciation. You get rent every month. Or if you do a flip, you know, you get paid every X many months. You know, it's kind of cash flow in a way. Um, but the rental piece is the big cash flow. It's the, you know, monthly salary, gets you out of your job, pays the bill. You know, it's it's sort of why a lot of people do property, you know, and, and do rent to rent and other sort of strategies that are cash flowing. Now, with you know, I suppose we can't necessarily compare this directly because like most, correct me if I'm wrong, but like most auction shares, some, sorry, some of them may not carry um, dividends. So you may not get cash flow from you know certain investments. So is, is there an argument here or something to contrast between properties, monthly rent cash flow and bit and sort of cryptocurrencies, no cash flow? Or would you say you have to trade cryptos to generate some type of cash flow? So if you're going to refer it to flips, then it would just be sort of buying a spot, waiting for it to go up and selling it, just like a stock, um, which in the crypto market, it can move very quickly. So that's sort of the comparison there. But if you were to earn cash flow from it, there's ways of like using yield farming or staking. So um, yield farming, sort of you lend your crypto assets to a DeFi platform, a decentralized finance platform, and then the yield farmer will provide liquidity to it, the decentralized exchange, and then the yield farm would in a portion on the platform fees. So this is very new. So the rates are fluctuating all, fluctuating all the time. There's a company called Yearn Finance that does it the best. They sort of automate the entire yield farming. Now, some of these, you can, you can like reinvest the profits to increase the size, and you can earn some serious money yield farming. Risk-wise, I, I personally would prefer to own a property and receive the rent, even though I think you're doing more yield farming, just because of the risk element to yield farming. Um, but then you can also do something called staking. Um, so you basically hold your crypto in a wallet and you get rewarded by uh, the network in return for support and it's sort of within the blockchain system so um you just can just make an income off it some may give you 12 percent. i've seen some give you like 70 percent. you can earn like serious um money staking but you're sort of um the risks are sort of you can similar to property really um you can lose the value 
if you sort of see the negative price movements because your coins are locked up for a certain amount of time. Um, so whereas you buy property, if everything started rolling over and you really needed the money, it's a hard thing to just sell quickly. Same as this. If you locked it in there for X amount of time, it's hard to sell quickly. Whereas if you had, if you bought Bitcoin at 10K and then you it went to 65 and we've seen it go down to 30 and you're like, oh, look, I'm happy with my 20K profit. You can still pull it out quite quickly. Whereas staking and like property, you can't, it's hard to just sell quick. So you can earn a lot of money in staking. You can definitely get cash flow. Like there's companies like Swissborg, BlockFi, um, Nexo. You can, you can earn money off it and you can earn a lot of money off it. Um, some you can earn more money than property, I would say, but just depends on your risk and how much trust you have in the decentralized finance system because it's very new and it is in a development stage. Then you've got to carry some sort of risk appetite, hoping that everything continues to go okay with that. So if I stake, like I stake now, I'd rather use like a main exchange like Kraken or Binance that you know I trust as more than banks <laughs> than I would using like Swissborg or something that you never know what could happen um, if people get liquidated and stuff like that. So, but the one thing I will say is um, we've had like a 50% pretty much correction. Some of the altcoins had like an 80% correction and there was no need. Raul Powell tweeted this. I loved it. He he was like, there's no need for um, any bank bailouts. No companies went under. (laughs) And it's like, it's funny because COVID happened and the the amount of bailouts was crazy, but um, yeah, like let's be fair, you know, you as a property investor, if we just allowed sort of COVID to run its course when it happened and there was no help from governments in place, then the property market would definitely not look like it does right now. Not yeah. a chance. And I suppose <laughs> if if like if markets like that ran on Ethereum instead of pounds, I suppose in that sense, like if, if the world was different in that sense, the banks would still have to bail it out. His comment is based on his comment is based on the fact that it's still new and it's not central to our economy. But if it was, they would need bailing out, right? Or the government would. Yeah, if they if they, if they was linked like to stuff like Ether, um, yeah. But it, I suppose it depends. It's the, the, I think the the biggest issue is we have with our current system is everything gets way over leveraged to a point where it's unsustainable. Like if you look at the amount of like even the property market, if you really think about it, right, can we've seen the exposure from banks at the start of COVID? They would, you know, they, they pretty much stopped lending. I know the property market froze and um, paused for, for a bit as well. But you've seen the exposure of the banks, even now, like you've got, you got the amount of money that's been given to retail banks. They've got like basically open credit lines with the central bank and they can have as much as they want. And they still have their lending criteria is becoming more strict all the time. Where you think they'd be like, we we got all this money, more money than we've ever had. We need to put this put this out to people. But the, their their risk management's changed in the banks now. This is very uncertain times. So they're not lending like they were before. So people are still getting lending. But you, I actually listened to a podcast on this. So one of the um, one of the bankers in the states who work with. Um, you know, a lot of the central banks is saying they've been told, like, we're giving you money, you can have as much as you want, but only lend to a certain customer. Don't just lend to anyone like we, they were previously. So, which that makes you think, it's, the exposure in the current system is, is crazy. That, that, that's why we have problems. And that's why people run into debt problems, because 
they're allowed to do it at un- unsustainable rates. Like the fractional reserve banking system is a- an absolute joke. When if you if you research it, like that, that no whoever decided that was okay to do knew that that was going to become a problem. That's you can't put like deposit a hundred dollars in the bank and then that magically turns digital digitally into two thousand dollars or a thousand dollars. That's just Obviously, that was going to cause issues. But then again, when you listen to a lot of the stuff that comes from governments and central banks, you start scratching your head and think, who decided that was a good idea? (laughs) I think it's like when you look at cowboy builders, you're like, yeah, we'll do it now. It's probably going to fuck you up in a year, but it it looks good now. So let's roll with it. It makes me money. Um, Let's put the plaster on it. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Yeah, cover up with paint. Um, Okay, so that's cash flow. Now, if we talk about value, which I know you and me have, have kind of spoken about, because it's kind of a, it can get a bit philosophical when we talk about value. And it, mm. I suppose there's, there's economical aspects, there's emotional, you know, value. I don't know. I, I feel like it's, I, I was going to say it's it's kind of quite centrally human. But of course, I, I think the value that we use is human. You know, animals value food because it feeds them and they value mating because it creates more babies and they value the pure evolutionarily logic this stuff fits but we as humans value you know a little fluffy toy we value uh, this piece of metal called our phone we value these headphones we we value things based on a lot of you know internal human algorithms and experience and society you know society says you know there's a new bugatti lavoir or something for 11 (laughs) million um it says it's 11 million and someone's just bought it so uh, you know when it comes to the value of properties, you know, yes, most Rick's surveyor valuers are, you know, insert bleep here um, and don't always get it right often. But, uh, you know, generally speaking, the value of a property has a few factors going to it, but it's fairly simple, um, I think, compared to other, you know, compared to valuing a, a stock market company and reading their 50 page accounts and report. It's a lot simpler than that. Um, now, crypto. You know, yes, some of them can be used for stuff, um, you know, stuff I don't really get, like helping banking transactions or, you know, blah, 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 stuff like that. But where does the value of crypto come from? Because a property is a necessity. Um, you know, we need property really to, to kind of live um, a normal life. Uh, even if it's a tent, you know, you still need property. So the value is very obvious. It's very clear. It's, you know, it's like water. It, it's invaluable because we need it, right? Um, like, what gives crypto its value? And, uh, you know, I suppose within that, what makes you and everyone else so confident of that value and of that value not just disappearing? Yeah, you, I th- like you mentioned then, you value things differently based on how, if you, really we should, everything we need in life should be valued more. Um, whereas, so like food should be, has huge value based on mm. opinions we need it but you know food people still will still as humans go out and be like i'm not going to pay for that premium cheese <laughs> unless you're tej um, yeah. i'm just i'm just going to get the the edam or whatever because it does the same thing or whatever but but as um we value things differently so a house in society you know especially now is we class as huge value. She want a roof over our heads, as people say. Now, when it comes to, say, gold, a lot of people value gold as, you know, a store of value and people, like, think it's very valuable when really is it, you know, apart from jewellery, like, 
what's the real use case of gold but people value it and think that they're classed as a store of wealth so i think that when you're looking at cryptocurrency especially like bitcoin for instance yeah people try and argue as a store of value and i would say it's more you're maintaining purchasing power at this stage maybe you will become real digital gold when we you know later down the line where people sort of say it is now but i would say depending on which crypto you're looking at so Bitcoin, I would say right now, people are trying to maintain their purchasing power, um, having control of their money and being their own bank rather than banking with traditional banks. And yeah, looking to move towards a digital gold. But then other cryptos are just sort of the same as value, say it has the same value as stocks. So I think people forget like these cryptos, like let's say, I don't know, VeChain, it, yeah, it's a crypto, but we're not, you're not just buying the, the coin, you're buying into it like that's a company that's like sort of they they're um sort of in the process of trying to solve global supply chains and and the the stuff going wrong there so the value that will come into that company is okay fair enough they're now tracking the the supply chain of say a car part from where it was made all the way to where it is now and you can scan with a qr code make sure this what they say and they also link with like walmart china so you can see not sure if you've seen the documentary see spiracy on netflix but um you know you could track where that with that tin of tuna you've bought where that come from if it come from where they're saying it's come from we're on that documentary you see that that's not what's happening so the value i would say coming in the companies is the same as what how you would value apple or amazon but as far as bitcoin um it depends how you look at bitcoin so i value bitcoin based on one i'd rather hold my money in bitcoin than any fiat currency because i'm definitely maintaining my purchasing power if anything it's it's going up (laughs) um which is good and two i think that because of its limited supply because not every millionaire in the world can own bitcoin because of um the decentralized aspect of it right now i think that being able to even own just one bitcoin is going to be a big deal in the future a very big deal and i think that there is potential. Now, a lot of people talk about Bitcoin becoming a global reserve currency. I'm unsure, but it could. Who knows? And the whole Bitcoin standard thing. But i looking at the value of Bitcoin based from a technology point of view. Every so often, things change. And we have a monetary reform or a shift in something because of tech. And I think that this is going to be what's already happening, but the main shift in tech and where we're going. And I think the value, how people value things are going to change very quickly. As soon as Apple, Facebook released their sort of VR VR and AR, the the glasses and stuff, and the metaphors is in full force. I think the value of digital items is going to creep up on people and think, shit, why didn't I purchase some virtual property? Why didn't I purchase some virtual art? Why didn't I purchase this? that all this stuff now has crazy value. And because I thought it was a bit of a joke, I didn't invest. I think that's what's going to happen. I think that people that are used to touching their assets like gold and property, I think that they're going to be like, well, why is why is this property in the metaverse worth the same amount of money as my house? That's not fair. I honestly, I think that down the line, that's the way it's going to go. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and the metaverse thing is is kind of crazy and, and you know, <laughs> buying virtual land. And like, I'm a gamer, so I kind of... but. You know, I don't spend money in the virtual games. I'm like, this is not adding anything to me. But I know a lot of people who, you know, will. They'll buy, you know, stuff within games all the time. It's standard. They'll buy extra guns, extra camo, whatever it is. So I kind of get that with the games. And I kind of get how a lot of gamers would say, oh, okay, this is 
you know, I, I get this. But it blows my mind that, you know, buying virtual land that you can then rent out. I think I read somewhere at some point or it has value, etc. Et just doesn't it blow your mind? Like the people are spending tens of thousands, if not more on virt on. Well, yeah, on virtual land, which doesn't really exist, but it exists on a server somewhere. Oh, yeah, it blows my mind. Um, but I also don't want to disregard it because mm. like Fash on the Crypto Challenge made a really good point. And he was like, buying land, like right now, let's say you did buy, I don't know, one of those billboards or one of those buildings in Times Square on, say, let's say on Earth 2, which Earth 2 then links with Facebook's glasses that they they bring out or Decentraland or whatever. And then you can now advertise your property course in Times Square. And let's be let's be fair, let's look at like 10 years down the line. How many like who would have thought everyone would be wearing Apple watches a couple of years ago or yeah. earpods, right? So when people say, I'm not going to be walking around with some glasses on, I think people are going to be shocked how many people are in five to ten years going to be walking around and maybe living more in the virtual in virtual reality rather than their own reality because and and if in the virtual reality you're owning property and you can advertise stuff which advertising is big game anyway you could become very rich by renting out your property in just advertisement space let alone everything anything else so yeah i can hear you clicking so you're but tej is in the middle of buying land I, I just bought your your childhood home in Wales. <laughs> Ransom it back to you at, uh, at an emotional value. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know that that is a good point. It's one of those things where, like, you know, having the kind of in hindsight, oh yeah, of course I knew we'd be wearing Apple watches. Of course, yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> but at the time, you don't know, and everything sounds silly, and everything like, you know, and it's sad that what you you know we may be living more in a virtual than a real reality. Um, you know, I hope it doesn't kind of go that way. I mean, some people should stay in virtual reality. I can help. But like, you know, I hope it doesn't go that way. But I think it probably will, given what, you know, you look at a bunch of kids nowadays staring broken neck down straight into their phone on TikTok and all that. And yeah, it brings opportunities. But I don't know, it just goes further away from, I think, living a good life, according to the old yeah. wisdomous philosophers um, and I having agree. rich experiences. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that, you know, it's, we're sort of moving away from reality more and more. And, mm. it's, it's, you know, you used to forget about the stuff that has real value, like your family and stuff then, because people are looking down into their phones more than they are speaking to their family. And, yeah, it's just a bit of a shambles, really, but that's just tech for you. <laughs> and, and, you know, on the other side of that, though, so you're saying, you know, yeah, the, what, the flip side, the, the positive is, yeah, you become rich, you know, people want to buy it, it's a commodity, it becomes normal to own virtual land because you know it's a lot easier to own virtual land than real land although well some well it's it's easier to own more important virtual land than it is to own important real land um so the flip side of that though is nothing happens and you lose your money is that right yeah potentially like there's a few companies working on the metaverse so who knows which ones can actually be There'll probably be more than one, but like the main one, you know, that Apple, Facebook and stuff use or whatever. And yeah, maybe it will become worth nothing. But at the moment, you can pick some pieces of land that's like $50, $100. Like if you really want to take a chance, you don't need to like go and throw the the bank at it. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, it all depends on how you want to look at it. 
But even but what if well what I mean is for everyone listening in terms of their risk appetite even if one company doesn't become the main one if this whole thing just gets scrapped if it doesn't have the up to you know there are obviously risks that people need to look at in the sense that their money could turn to zero whereas versus property unlikely to go to zero unless you've really cocked it up um <laughs> so that's correct right like it could go to zero yeah of course it could you know and like if somebody is a bit like yeah this sounds a bit crazy um then you could wait until it does happen because soon enough we're going to know which one is like the go-to virtual land where to buy and stuff and the main one and then yeah you may be paying a bit of a premium but you're still going to be early when you know which one is the one because just like property now like if you if we go back 50 years and you know you, you hear someone's grandma paid eight grand for her house and stuff and then go 50 years in the future and you're like oh that's worth 200k now then the same thing probably is going to happen there things are going to go up in value as we grow and evolve as a global economy and and as time goes so you know it's like now people say when's the best time to buy property and they always well well, yesterday or now and you know in hindsight 50 years or 20 years on the line yeah that's that's cool but again i still think that we do need to look at it (laughs) what um you know you they say you make your money when you buy well yeah if you're buying at the top of the market now and holding, yeah, in 20 years down the line, it doesn't probably not going to make a difference really. But in two years' time, if something goes wrong and you want to sell, then you never know what could happen. So, yeah, I think that you could definitely wait because you, there is a risk of things going to zero when stuff first starts out, you know, because the dot-com bubble. <laughs> so, and even Blockbuster, who would have thought? You know, that used to be my favourite thing on a weekend when I was a kid go down blockbuster and pick a film <laughs> and the whole experience <laughs> like i remember getting games from there man you borrow them and just smash it out in a weekend it's like three quid or something it was oh those <laughs> yeah, were days exactly and uh if you said back then no oh, this isn't going to be in x amount of years you'd be like what so yeah yeah that's true See, you know seeing those opportunities is is something that yeah i think it takes definitely a certain risk appetite and just you know a certain kind of level of research which you obviously do a lot of and i suppose knowing the right people making your own mind up about it and you know one of the biggest things is not getting fomo right fear of missing out because mm-hmm. yes if you look at the media you would be all in on crypto you'd do this blah blah blah. listen to your mate down the pub yeah mate got a couple grand in bitcoin <laughs> yeah, yeah but actually you might look at the whole thing and say you know what like i'm earning money from here i'm not that fussed about making a huge amount more the risk reward ratio is too goddamn high for me. I'm a carry on doing my thing. That's cool, right? Like because you know everyone needs to do it for their own personal situation. D, I think we could talk about this for hours. It's always fascinating, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm always learning something. I think this virtual land, because I'm a gamer, is is definitely of interest. And I was I was on Earth too, and I just I can't remember what happened. Mm-hmm. I still need to finish your <laughs> your bloody crypto challenge. You finished like a month ago. Um, <laughs> But before we sign off, um, if you had to give three quickfire tips for someone who is, you know, a property investor or, you know, they a little bit of experience in, you know, managing their own money and they're like, right, I want to do crypto. What are maybe the first three things they should do before putting a penny into anything? The first place I always send people is Real Vision um, on YouTube, Raul Pal. For somebody that doesn't understand it, he breaks it down quite easily for anyone to understand. I think it's a great source of information. Um, he does mainly talk about the, you know, Bitcoin and Ether, but 
it's definitely the place I would send people. If you don't mind listening to someone who's quite, it's quite tedious, but you'll learn a lot of stuff. Simon Dixon's another good one. Um, and yeah, obviously I have a mastermind as well. If you want to learn more about it, um, that you can just find me on um, Instagram, D underscore Ludlow. But yeah, I would say if you want to just look at something first before spending a penny, Real Vision is probably the best place that you can go to. Cool. Um, and D, you mentioned your mastermind there. And, you know, obviously the 5M club I mentioned earlier. Um, before we leave, if people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do it? So yeah, D-E-E underscore Ludlow on Instagram, or you can go to www.dludlow.com and we have like some more information on there. If you want to look at the 5am club, it's join the 5am club.co.uk. Um, they're the best places to look really, but Instagram is the, probably the main place. Amazing. And I will put your links in the show notes. D, thank you so much for coming on the Tej Talks podcast. Always a pleasure, mate. If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube for more great content.